There is a new sheriff in town, Keith, in Washington, D.C., and he's gunning for big money. The FCC is fining Town Square Media $500,000. I think it's unprecedented. We're going to talk about it. The FCC also seems to think it's 1965, and Walter Cronkite and Paul Harvey are still on the air. And, you know, TV sports is really hot. So our question, and I'd love your answer on this, Keith, is what happened to the World Series and the television audience there? So good morning. We are back with another edition of Media Insultant. (laughs) Our opinions and comments in Seattle, I'm Jackson Weaver. And in sunny Southern California, it's Keith Samuels, although he reports there is some rain coming in. So we can all feel sorry for him. A little bit of rain is going to fall on this day. Well, we had a nice weekend, so I'm a happy guy. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about me. I I, I never worry about you. Look at my tan. Look at my (laughs) tan. We are a service of in-town media. We welcome you to the Wednesday, January 31st episode of Media Insultant. I'm always amazed at how successful Christmas music on the radio is each December, Keith. You know, they've been doing it for years, and stations put on an all-Christmas format, and boom, they pop up into the top five. You know, and market after market, sleigh bells and rocking around the Christmas tree makes at least one station from, you know, relative mid-ranking to the top five. And in fact, uh, Inside Radio did some dive into the data in a recent issue, and we're not going to go into that here, but... My thought is that radio remains a go-to for some content. That's what's encouraging about this. And in this case, it's holiday tunes. And, you know, they're curated and presented linearly. And obviously, there's an audience for that kind of of thing. And, And this just as an observation to get the show going today. Maybe the key to other formats that are out there waiting is for them to be curated and delivered by radio. I don't know what those formats are. But apparently there is an audience for some curated content. Any well, thoughts? And, and cer- yeah, certainly the uh, Christmas uh, music is massively popular for like a month, right? I mean, it's just it just it just crushes it. I mean, uh, here in LA, Coast goes from being you know the number two or three rated station overall to massively number one. I think uh, KOSI, which is country, which is uh, 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 AC in, in Denver shot up to like a 16 share with, with Christmas music. It's massive. And, you know, it, it, it's two things. One is it's let's, let's be that station that goes Christmas at Christmas. And two, let's figure out a way to really monetize it, okay? Because buyers don't want to pay that much more for your just one month worth of advertising in December. Um, and, and, so they and then and then they they discount those ratings the rest of the year. Oh no, we're taking out that holiday book. That doesn't count. We're taking that out. It's a it's a good thing and it can also be a bad thing for you. It doesn't help you the rest of the year. But I gotta say that this phenomenon started in Southern California. This started with KOST in L.A. Um, you know, a couple of decades ago, at least now, well back into the late into the nineties. And they have figured out a way to really, really make it work. And you know what they do? Is they don't run spots. They sell hourly sponsorships. I mean, it's brilliant. And, you know, and I got to give them credit because they absolutely crush it. 
uh, and, and, and nobody does it better. And they do it now throughout the chain at, at iHeart. But, uh, you know, it's a big deal, and people love it. It's such a nice break from the other nonsense that the formats provide throughout the rest of the year that to be just that focused and that pleasant to listen to and that limited commercial interruption environment really kind of speaks to the fact that, you know, it, 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 it just, it's a great break from the rest of the year, and people love it. So there you go. They do, and there's an... Uh... There's the other advantage, too, to it, and that is that it, um, it, it's bound to have some residual carryover. You're bound to keep some people tuned into the station that wouldn't be there otherwise. And what's interesting, and I don't know the answer to this, but what's interesting is in most markets there is a Christmas station. There are other stations that jump on board and play Christmas music or play a lot or go all Christmas. And yet there's one station, you mentioned uh, Coast in Los Angeles. That's the station for Christmas, no matter what EMF or anybody else in the market does in terms of Christmas music, there is one station that owns Christmas music. So, yeah, and, happy and, holidays, and, and, buddy. <laughs> they were fun. But, you know, what's interesting about that is that the country station here, KKGO, Go Country 105, they flipped a country as uh, a country Christmas as well, right? And it's, it's, it's a blip in the ratings for them. It's just it just doesn't move the needle that much yes. at all for them. And though, and there's a <clears throat> there's probably a couple of stations that go that go Christmas in Seattle that you're familiar with as well, but that station that went first that owns it that does best, I think it's probably uh uh who's what's the AC station that that Hubbard owns that goes country in Seattle. A warm. It's warm. Yeah, warm. Uh and and they crush it. They crush it. And whoever else does it, yeah, not so much. <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't grow up with Hank Snow doing the first Noel. So I think that's that's why you're not seeing other stations catch on. All right, we gotta move on. Okay. Keith, the FCC right. is suffering a bit of what I'd call retro regulatory indigestion. Uh, you know, after years of deregulation, uh with the recent appointment of Jessica Rosenworcel as chair of the FCC and, and, and now the Democratic majority on the FCC. You know, suddenly, it's just, it's amazing. It's like David Brinkley, the Jetsons, and even Alan Freed are, are still on the air. You know, they just it's, it's like they can't get by the concept that it is not 1965. And, and the latest example is this huge fine they levied against uh, Town Square for half a million dollars. Now, you and I both know the FCC is real touchy about things, some things these days particularly with this Democratic majority. They're touchy about a lack of proper sponsorship identification. That's fair. Uh, they're touchy about not keeping your public file up to date. They're really uh, on top of violating EEO requirements. So all of those things are the FCC is paying attention to and has paid attention to, but now it's really scrutinizing them. And the latest thing that happened with Town Square, as you and I talked, is that they have uh, Town Square has two AM stations, their news talk stations, one in Boise, one in Twin Falls, Idaho, and they failed to sponsor or identify the sponsor of a paid program. They also failed to keep their public file up to date, and the commission flipped out. And to make matters worse, it it was it make it they made it sound like they made this program that uh, was purchased sound like a legitimate newscast. And instead of it being a legitimate newscast, Keith, it was paid for by the Idaho Republican Party, mm -hmm. which must have just pissed everybody off. <laughs> but their sponsorship was never revealed. And this is, this is 
you know, this is Radio 101. You know, you never put anything on the air where the sponsorship is not revealed. You know, and it, it, it was one of the reasons you could never do teasers for a client. You know, you could never do coming soon because you had to identify coming soon from Bob's Automotive or from, you know, Macy's Department Store. And to the listeners, it sounded like a legit newscast. And, you know, that it's fair enough. That was misleading. So they fined Town Square $500,000. I mean, it may be a consent decree, which means everybody kind of agreed to it, but the money is still the money. And we don't know any of the details of uh, the oversight on this or how it happened. What's your thought on this? And is this a, is this a trend, do you think, for the FCC to start coming down on radio and TV stations more aggressively than over the past 20 years? What's your thought? Answer that question, yes. But when you talk about oversight, this had to get past the sales manager, it had to get past the program director, and it had to get past the general manager. So when you talk about Radio 101, and, and, and by the way, any, any political buyer, anybody that's buying political advertising knows the rules better than the radio stations do, or they should. And in this case, these guys snuck it by. They snuck it by you know, the stations, and the stations are going, wow, we'll take the money. This is great. Big block programming buy. You know, it was the, it, they're prob- they, were pro- they probably helped them make budget back in November or, or whenever this, this occurred, or October. You know, so uh, you got to go, guys, you know, you got to still play by the rules about this. But the other thing about this, Jackson, is that the FCC isn't monitoring a, a, a news talk station in Boise, least of all a, a news talk AM station that's mostly syndication in Twin Falls, frickin' Idaho. You know, so they got busted by their opponents, and and somebody reported this, and and reported it to a very friendly FCC, and they're going, ooh, yeah, we're coming down on those guys. So you know, it's I, but but here's the thing that here's the thing that we're you talk about outdated regulations. You talk about, um, you know, the FCC was created what in the 30s, you know, almost a hundred years 1934. ago. 1934. Yeah, and and so here's a here's a a a, a, a commission that was formed uh, to govern you know radio and radio networks back in the 30s that that still thinks of itself as as a viable and important and necessary a guardian of the public welfare when in fact none of these regulations none of the FCC regulations affect any of the cable nets because the cable networks are not governed by the FCC it does not affect anything that Facebook YouTube Reels Google Alphabet you know Meta they don't have anything to do with those guys, okay? They just get to beat the shit out of radio and television stations across the land and groups, okay? These are the people that wouldn't let Standard General buy Tegna, okay? These are the same people that, you know, won't that won't let ABC sell their network because they're just going to tie it up in regulatory red tape forever because they have to prove that they deserve to continue to exist. It's a cra- it's they haven't evolved. They ha- they still have to exist, and 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 yes, people. You know, everybody should identify who the sponsors are, and I mean everybody on cable, everybody on YouTube, everybody on Facebook. But those rules don't apply to the bigger digital companies that are beating the shit out of these radio stations in advertising, even in Twin Falls. I, I find it so um, outdated 
unfair. And oh, by the way, all the EEO requirements that we had to, that we continue to have to uh, follow at radio stations and television stations, Meta and, and Google, and those guys don't have to follow those. They're under different guidelines. They're under EEOC guidelines, but they're not under FCC guidelines. It's, it's drastically unfair and outdated. And, and to, sp- to spank these guys with a $500,000 fine uh, is, is, oh my God, you know, it's like, this is really out of control. So yes, there is a new sheriff in town and they are coming after radio and TV stations that don't toe the line. Yeah, no, good soapbox. I, I, I have the uh, client that um, recently was given a one-year renewal on one of his stations because he failed to post a political request within 24 hours. He did it within a couple of days. The FCC policy formally says it needs to be a timely posting. There's nothing specific. But they came down on him and said, you needed to file that within 24 hours, and because you didn't, we're only going to renew your license for one year. So it's just, you know, we've gotten, frankly, we've gotten lax about the FCC as deregulation has grown over the years, but we've also gotten lax about it because they're irrelevant. The rules are absolutely irrelevant. Talking to um, an FCC buddy of mine, an FCC attorney buddy of mine, David Oxenford, and we were talking about the fact that uh, radio stations were required until just recently to have an operating manual posted in the building. I've been in radio since I was 14. I have never seen an operating manual, and nor did I know there was a requirement to have an operating manual. <laughs> have it in the control room, right? Or, or you know, whatever. So, uh. Exactly. The, the key thing here is, uh, you know, pay attention, people. It's it, The FCC is not your friend these days. And, you know, while we're talking about the FCC and what they're doing, you know, there's another, this is going to be an FCC episode of Media Insultant, but... You know, the, uh, they seem to feel that regulating radio and TV is, is now going to be back in vogue and made some sense when we were a virtual monopoly. You know, there were limited number of stations. We had a great impact on society and politics. And as you were pointing out today, it just makes no sense. But they are, you know, here's, here's the latest thing. The FCC now has a, is proposing a rule that would provide faster license renewal and transfers for stations with Local journalism. Boy, have we been here before. You know, equal time provisions. You know, uh, it's just, you know, it's a throwback to the 60s. And I love the 60s. <laughs> so let me be clear about that. But not this part of the 60s. <laughs> well, well, Jackson, what, how much, how do they define local programming? And how do they, de- and how much do I have to have to qualify for these, you know, fast track renewals and, uh, and, and, uh, and approvals? Boy, that is absolutely the, the – the, that's why this is just a, a sticky wicket, as they used to say. I mean, what's local? If you do a, a newscast out of a hub television or radio station, is that local news? Who's going to define it, and how much is local? And if you know, and, and, and if they want local journalism, fine. What if the reporter is in Missoula, but he's doing a report for somebody in Peoria? Is that local? It's just it. It's so out of touch with the technology and the information transfer going on today. So it's it's nuts. It's just nuts. Well, and they still have and they still and they still have a rule at the FCC that they're very hard and fast on that as a as a local broadcast company, either radio or television, you cannot own a local newspaper. No, they're allowing it more and more. 
The, di- the difference is that uh, newspapers don't want to own radio and TV stations. And oh, radio and TV stations don't want to own newspapers. <laughs> you know, there's no there's no synergy or cost savings in two drunks stumbling out of the bar at the same time. You know that neither one of them can stand up. <laughs> You know, it, it's interesting because I was reading a book that my uh, old professor, uh, Tim Larson in Utah, uh, wrote the other day about, or the last year, about licensing and, and these radio and TV stations that came on the air. And he reminded me in this how much scrutiny the FCC used to have when you put a license or a station on the air. They went through your financials. I mean, you had to have audited financials. You had to have all kinds of character letters from people in the community. The FCC did not want you to own more than one radio or TV station. That was really important. If you owned multiple stations, that was kind of a a thing against you. And you had these competitive things for radio stations. And there was a story about one station that uh, was very competitive. Two groups were vying for this station back and forth, you know, with all kinds of filings in front of the FCC. And finally, they granted the license to one of the applicants. And years later, a commissioner admitted that they were so close that when it came down to deciding who was going to be the licensee, they did a coin toss. They tossed a coin. Heads, it's this guy. Tails, it's this guy. So, you know, it's you get the feeling that the FCC is coming back into doing that, you know? Yep, it sure do. It's really an interesting thing. and They are. They are. And, you know, I think it's um, you hit a key something on the head. 50% of all the ad revenue dollars right now are coming from the digital companies, and they have no regulation, no oversight, nothing. So this is going to be a tough time for radio and TV stations. Uh, Licenses aren't as valuable as they used to be. They're still the core. They're still the core of what we do. Yeah, but you know, but here's the yeah, thing: if yeah. I if I want to put on a half hour show, you know, why the heck am I messing around with uh, an AM uh, news talk station that nobody listens to? I, I should just buy, uh, put, you know, put it up on YouTube. You know, I I have a YouTube channel. I just put it up there. You know, so you know, all the technology is so much easier to do digital buys and to do digital uh, targeting for political campaigns. If you're if you're messing around. Trying to buy, you know, for a, a few hundred bucks, buy, maybe it's a thousand bucks or a half hour on a, a news talk station in Twin Falls, you know, you, you know, trust me, you're not you're not doing it right. Uh, not only did you know the Republican Party, you know, mess around and 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 do it do it incorrectly with a, a station partner, you know, what to what value was it? You know, it's like, come on, guys, you know, that's not what the audience is. Yep, yep, it it is, and it's probably going to get sillier. We'll just keep an eye on it. <laughs> Keith, uh, you're my, you're our sports guy, you know. Uh, I'm a sports illiterate, but uh, you know, Major League Baseball still, even I know this, is America's game. Well, or it used to be. It may not be anymore. It's kind of arguable, but you know, suddenly the World Series ratings have plummeted, and uh, we'll throw a graphic up on the video. But basically, this chart shows that uh, from 2018 to last year, revenue went from 23 million. To eight and a half million, or excuse me, uh, audience went from twenty-three right. million to eight and a half million. So, what's going on? How? What's causing this? Well, a, a couple of things. W- one is that you know that that the, the league has taken a lot of steps to update the rules and speed up the games. The games were taking, they said, a lot longer. But in two thousand sixteen, when you had twenty-three million people watch the World Series, I think it was the Cubs and and maybe it was Cleveland and the Cubs. Anyway. 
you know, it's it's it doesn't make any sense that it, they've lost two thirds of their viewing viewing audience in just uh, seven years. It's it's crazy. In the meantime, we're having record numbers for NFL football. I mean, it seems like every time there's a, a great game on on, on 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 network television for the NFL, it sets record ratings, and this year was no exception. I mean, just huge, massive ratings, and we're right in, we're right in the thick of the end of the playoffs. We're now going to the Super Bowl. And the ratings have been through the roof for the NFL, but for the, for for MLB, not so much. I was thinking it was the teams. I was thinking, you know, how could these teams, uh, you know, not uh, maybe the teams didn't draw. And the last World Series was between the Texas Rangers and the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. So not exactly, you know, marquee franchises that everybody wants to watch. But the year before was, was uh, uh, you know, Houston and Philadelphia. They only did 11, 12 million in viewing. The year before that, it was the uh, Atlanta Braves, a marquee franchise, and the Houston Astros, you know, 11.7 million. They're just not moving the needle. I think, I think the big problem is, is that baseball has pushed their schedule back and they've expanded their playoffs slightly, just enough to push it back another week or two since 2016, and that puts it right up against NFL and, and the NFL. early NFL season. Now, we're, you know, yeah. we're, we're, playing, we're playing World Series games the first weekend in November. You know, we got college football, we got NFL, you got, you got the NHL, you got the NBA, and I think that, that their exclusive window of viewership opportunity has gone out the window because now they're conflicting with, you know, with, with too much football competition. So I think that's that's the reason, and I think that, that they're in their zeal to expand the playoffs and get more television money. They've they've run up against too much competition for viewers, and unless you're in like last year in Dallas or in Phoenix, where people really care, uh, who else cares? So you know it's like not that big a deal anymore. And uh, and by the way, it's football season. Why am I watching baseball? It's freaking football season now. They probably have a couple of games during the week where there's no competition with NFL or with college football, but there is competition for time. And how much time am I going to devote to a three-and-a-half, four-hour game on teams I don't care about? The good news is is that the L.A. Dodgers will have Otani this year and a pile of other expensive free agents. It's the most expensive team in the history of baseball. So the Dodgers will be in the World Series. They're buying their way in. So we'll see if the Dodgers can can bring an audience. Maybe they'll play a, a big, uh, you know, American League team like the Yankees or something. Boston Reds. Well, that's not going to happen either. So we'll see if the Dodgers can pull an audience in. <laughs> but you know, we'll save this in the media insult and file because I think that that uh, they're going to bump around between uh, between eight and 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 maybe twelve million in viewers. And we just won't ever have a, a, a big World Series like we had back in 2016 in terms of viewership. We'll watch and see. So let me ask you a question. Do you th- one one final question on this? Uh, is the audience uh, aging out on baseball? You know, there's a lot of theories about that, Jackson. And yes, it is aging out. But it's also baseball demographics are a lot different than player demographics are a lot different than than the NFL demographics are in that. You have such a, uh, a huge percentage of players that are Hispanic or Asian or and both. 
And you have a huge African-American audience for NFL because most of the players, a majority of the players are African-Americans. So you have uh, not only an aging out of the base viewers and fans for baseball, but you also have a shift demographically in baseball. And, and it, you know, and football has always been that way in football. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit, you know, more difficult to compare and so, um, you know, you've got Spanish language television that, that gets, you know, big numbers for baseball. So I, I think that the, the, the demographics in terms of the players has affected the demographics of the viewership. Viewership. Okay, good, good. All right, well, thank you for the clarity you uh, bring on that. Uh, we are, unfortunately, we've done it again. We're out of time. I'm hoping next week we can pick up on a little news on Odyssey's bankruptcy. It's been kind of quiet this week, but, you know, we're keeping a real close eye on that because there's so much, so many interesting things that we think are going to come out of that bankruptcy. So hope everybody will join us next Wednesday for the next Wednesday episode of Media Insultant, Keith. Uh, Media Insultant is a production of InTown Media, and uh, we'd love any of your comments, Jackson, at InTownMedia.com. And you can find the podcast on just about any podcasting platform. New videos are on Vimeo in the Media Insultant Showcase. We drop a new show each Wednesday. Hope you'll join us. Keith, stay dry, (laughs) work on your tan, and uh, we'll see you next week, buddy. You have a good weekend. You too, buddy. Take care. We'll see you soon.